0: Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. All right, this is a picture of my dad and me when I was a little girl. Now, don't be fooled by my sweet and cute appearance there. I was a total mess. And I am so thankful that I have a loving dad who gave me lots of love and affirmation and a firm word or two when I needed it growing up. Now, I remember my dad being the one that put me to bed most nights as a kid, and he always made me feel so loved and cherished in those bedtime routines. He would tuck me in and play this little game with me that I still remember, and then he would tell me the best stories before I fell asleep. Now, he never read a book to me in these moments. He just told me stories. But sometimes he would use stories that he had read, and then he would make up new stories with those characters. But I never knew that. So my favorite stories that Dad would tell me were about Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear. So you can imagine my surprise when I was in the first grade, and my teacher introduced these characters to us in a book called Uncle Remus Stories. Well, I stood up to the class and I said, no way, my dad made up those stories. (laughs) So I took this great stand for my dad, but it got me into a heap of trouble. And I could not wait. I knew that if I could just get home, talk to my dad, that he is going to make all of this right, and I was going to go back the next day and just tell him like it was. But my dad said, no, Amy, you're believing the wrong thing. I didn't write those stories. I just loved those stories as a kid, and I thought you would like them too. You need to go and apologize to your class the next day. Can you imagine the agony that little Amy felt having to stand up and say, I was wrong. Well, then I remember this other occasion when maybe I was seven or so, and I was playing outside in our neighborhood cul-de-sac with this whole posse of neighborhood kids, and we had a resident bully, and her name was Dawn. She was a couple of years older than me. And one day, she took my coat, and she told me in front of the whole group that she had taken it to her house and burned it in the fireplace. Y'all, I was so mad. This was just an injustice. So I ran up to her, grabbed her arm, and just bit it as hard as I could. And I was really proud of myself. I couldn't wait to tell my dad how I had done this great thing. And again, his words just hurt me. No, Amy, you did the wrong thing. We never bite anyone for any reason because it hurts them. So then I had suffered a hurtful punishment. And then my dad and I walked together across the street to Don's house and apologized. Well, these were good words that I needed to hear from a loving father as I grew up. He knew that it was loving to teach me to recognize my sin He made sure to consistently show me justice and mercy, always pointing me to the grace that I received from Jesus. Well, our book this semester on the prophets is entitled The Word of the Lord, but it could easily be called Good Words from a Loving Father. God spoke good words to Israel and to Judah through men called prophets. And he has spoken to us really good words by his son, his spirit, and the Bible. God's words are always full of love. God is a good dad who loves his kids too much to leave us in in our sin. So he'll tell us when we are believing the wrong things and when we are doing the wrong things. But even his judgment will be full of mercy, always pointing us to the Savior. So I really can't wait for you to see Jesus in the prophets this semester. Well, we always start any book or a series of books that we're studying by asking the question, where do these books fit into the big story of God? And for those of you who have been with me a while, you know that I say this every year, but the Bible is one continuous story about God, not necessarily about us. It's about God from Genesis to Revelation. And for the last six years, we've been on this journey through this continuous narrative, studying an Old Testament book or series in the fall, and then we pull together a thread, a New Testament theme that we study in the spring. And through this whole story, we have learned that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is revealing himself to us, inviting us in inviting us to be a part of his kingdom. And so I'm going to spend the next few minutes reviewing what we have learned in the past six years. So if you are new, don't let this scare you. This is just an overview of the last six years, and then we'll add in the prophets at the end. So we're going to start this story in Genesis. In Genesis, we saw God create the world and then crown it with his image bearers, man and woman. But when they chose sin, God was so merciful to kick them out of the garden and to initiate a rescue plan that would bring them back to himself through his son. And this rescue plan started in Genesis 12 when God created a family tree through one man, Abraham, to be his people. And through this family, the Messiah, Jesus, would come. Well, then, in Exodus through Deuteronomy, we saw that God delivered this family-turned nation from slavery in Egypt and then gave them a law to follow. And this showed us how Jesus would deliver us from sin and death and then write his law on our hearts by his Spirit. Well, then, in Joshua, we saw that God enabled his people, Israel, to conquer the promised land of Canaan. And then he asked them to continue to fight the evil around them as a light to the nations. Well, this showed us how in Christ, God gives us an inheritance by his spirit, and then the armor to wear to fight against our enemy while we wait for it. In Judges and Ruth, we saw Israel get really complacent and let their guard down, and they spiraled into this sin sin pattern, pattern of sin and redemption. And so in their depravity, we saw our depravity. We saw our need for a kinsman redeemer like Boaz, Jesus. And then in Samuel, and then one year in Samuel, one year in Kings, we saw that Israel desperately wanted to be led by a king. So in Samuel, they were united as one kingdom under King Saul, David, and Solomon. But in 1 Kings, we saw this unity fall apart. As Israel split into two and they plunged into all kinds of idolatry and wickedness and sin, only one king could bring them back together again, and that was the servant king, Jesus Christ. Well, then last fall, we saw how the wisdom literature overlaid this entire story. This is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. They were the songs and the stories and the poems, the imagery That would enable Israel to make sense of their suffering and to long for the Messiah who was to come. Well, this year, I want you to see the prophets overlaid on this same narrative. But to do that, we need to dive more deeply into the story we learned in Kings. This is also retold in the book of Chronicles or the books of Chronicles. So today we're going to zoom into that Kings story and we're going to talk about it a little more in depth. Now, I know you look up here and you see these dates and you think, so boring. I don't want to talk about dates. But I promise you that if you can get a few of these dates down, and I highlighted the ones I really want you to know, um, it's going to really help you to understand the prophets as a whole. So we're going to start in 930 BC. This is when the kingdom of Israel divided into two, two separate kingdoms, north and south. Now, the northern kingdom was made up of 10 tribes or 10 sons of Jacob, and they were the under, under the rule of a king named Rehoboam. And the southern kingdom was made up of two tribes or two sons of Jacob named Judah and Benjamin, and they were led by Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Now, this is where it gets super confusing, but I want you to get this part down. The northern kingdom kept the name Israel. They were called Israelites. Their capital was Samaria, but the southern kingdom was called Judah, and their people would become, become Judahites, and that would be shortened, and they would be called Jews for short, short for Judahites, and their capital was in Jerusalem. Now, the northern and southern kingdoms, they had lots of kings. If you were with us a couple of years ago, you studied this ad nauseum. We had so many kings, but all of the kings from the southern kingdom descended from King David and the tribe of Judah. This would be the line that Jesus would come through. Now, in your resource guide, there's a few charts on pages 4 and 5 that kind of detail all the names of the kings. If you are that kind of person that just really needs to to see that— you can look at that now or as you study. But the main thing I want you to remember is that all of the kings were bad. Can you remember that? All of the kings were bad. Even the, even the good ones who tried to turn Israel back or Judah back to the Lord. In the end, they would always fail. They would always turn back to themselves. They would always not trust the Lord wholeheartedly. And they were doing some crazy, hideous things. Do you remember how we studied this in Kings? I mean, just awful, awful sins. I just want to highlight just a few of them for you right now. Idolatry, setting up these shrines and high places of worship everywhere, but where they were supposed to worship was, that, was the temple. They were setting them up everywhere, and there was extreme perversion in their worship, even sexual per- perversion, as a, as a way to worship God. They were performing child sacrifices in the North and the South, violence, destruction, and deception. When I was writing that list, I was thinking, this sounds like Game of Thrones. And if you have seen it, yes, it's that awful, if not worse. Game of Thrones is awful. What was going on in Israel and Judah was awful, and God had to deal with it. So despite numerous chances to repent, to stop and to turn to God. In 722, this is the date I want you to remember, in 722 BC, the 10 northern tribes of Israel were conquered by Assyria. Many of those tribes, those people, as originally they were part of of Israel, but many of them would intermarry with Assyrians and never fully integrate back into the life of the Jews. Especially in the capital of Samaria, where these half-breeds would later be known as Samaritans and hated by the Jews in Jesus' day. Now, God gave Judah, the southern kingdom, a little bit longer to get their act together, 136 years to be exact. And God tried to get the message across to them that if they didn't change their attitudes and behaviors, the same thing that happened to their brothers in the north was going to happen to them in the south. And then little by little, they started becoming conquered by this great nation of Babylon until in 586, Jerusalem was captured, Solomon's glorious temple that we studied was completely destroyed, and most of the Judahites, or the Jews, were taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 long years. But that was not the end of this story Thank goodness, just like God said, they would be there for 70 years. And so in 70 years, in 516 BC, detailed in the books Ezra and Nehemiah, many of those Jews returned to Jerusalem. They built a smaller temple, not nearly as glorious as Solomon's. They built walls all around, and they continued to wait for more than 400 years for their Messiah to be born in the city of David. So, during this time, how in the world did God speak to these people? Well, he spoke through the the men that we will study this semester called prophets. And there weren't newspapers or social media or even really any kind of books to distribute lots of information at this time. And so God needed to rise up some people who were very loud and very eccentric. I mean, these guys are nuts, and we're going to have fun learning about how crazy they were. But they had to get the people's attention. They were the ones that God would speak through to to make sure his message got across and got transmitted from household to household, that God was trying to tell them, hey, I'm trying to to get you to come back to me. And so they they would try to get the people to radically change their behaviors. And so we'll see that all throughout the semester. So I want us to start with the prophets to Israel. I'm just going to show you where these prophets fit on this storyline. So the prophets to Israel, we studied two of them a couple of years ago in Kings. They spent a whole lot of time trying to get this message to Israel uh, to repent and to turn to God. And the two that we studied were Elijah and Elisha. You remember them? Besides them, there are only three more prophets who spoke to the northern kingdom of Israel. They were were Jonah, Hosea, and Amos. And we will study two of them this semester, Jonah and Hosea. Now, their message was very simple. I want you to simplify it in your mind so that it doesn't get so confusing when you're reading it in in the text. Their message was, stop sinning. Just stop it. Everybody stop it now. Repent. If you don't repent, you're going to face a harsh judgment. And then we saw that they did. They were captured by Assyria. But each of these prophets, even though they were saying that hard message, they resounded with hope, pointing to the Messiah who was to come. Now, all the other prophets, if you can memorize this list, it really helps you because all of the other prophets in your Old Testament prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah. But they are divided, we're going to divide them right now, into the prophets that spoke before, during, or after their exile in Babylon. So these are the prophets that spoke before 586, and I'm not going to read that list for you. You have it on your notes. But the ones that we're going to study this semester from this list are Micah, Isaiah, Habakkuk, and Jeremiah. And their message to Judah was exactly the same as God spoke to Israel. Stop sinning. Stop it. Stop. Repent. Please. If you don't, you're going to face a harsh judgment, just like your brothers did. And then they did, right? They were conquered by Babylon. But perhaps because Jesus would come from this lineage, from the line of Judah, the prophets that spoke to Judah um, used this beautiful, really deep, rich imagery to point us to the Messiah that they were looking forward to. Now the ones that prophesied during the exile in Babylon were Daniel and Ezekiel. And these are two of my favorite prophets. They're maybe the most eccentric in some ways. Their message was still to explain why they were there, why this judgment had happened, but their biggest message was hope. They were full of hope as they they pointed to Jesus first and his second coming. It's so cool. The Old Testament is pointing to how Jesus will come back even now. And then finally, only three prophets spoke to Judah after they came back to Jerusalem. They are Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, and we're only going to study Malachi together this semester. Malachi was the final word in the Old Testament before 400 years of silence from God. And I think because of that, these books are especially full of hope, hopeful references to the one who will come to make all things new. Now, next week, I'm going to take some time to give you background on each of those nine prophets that we're going to study. But today, I just wanted to give you that big overview of where they fit into the big story of God. And I know that you're thinking, this seems like a lot, and it really is, but we're going to keep it simple we're going to take that and simplify it uh, this semester, and it's going to be doable. How are we going to do that? Well, we have a, a great book to guide us. So I hope that you talked about it a little bit in your discussion groups, but pull it out now because I'm going to talk you through it again, how we're going to use this book this semester. This is the final book in a series of books by Nancy Guthrie called Seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, and I just love, love that concept. So this is an overview-style study. It's not an inductive, verse-by-verse study of all nine of these books. Aren't you glad? You're not going to be reading all of them. We're going to be covering nine prophets in 12 weeks. So that means we're attempting to get a big overview of how these books will point us to Jesus. Now, since many of you got your books today, I want you to think of today as week zero We are going to um, read and discuss week one this week, next week. So I want you to look at page 17. This is where week one starts. And this is simply a chapter to read. You don't have any homework questions to do this week. You just need to read this chapter and come prepared to discuss the questions on page 32. So flip over there. They are discussion questions. They're not homework questions. You don't have to write anything out. You just need to read the chapter. Nancy's going to kind of explain what I just explained to you this morning, an overview of where the prophets fit into history. And then when you come back next week, you're going to discuss those questions on page 32. I know you're going to be tempted to write something down, but you don't have to. I really don't want you to on those discussion questions. But starting in week two... Now, we have one one extra buffer week, but in two weeks, we are going to start doing some homework. So I want you to look at the homework questions in this book. They're um, on page 37 for the first week that we'll study Jonah. Now, usually there's about 10 to 12 questions a week. I think on that week, there might be 15 or so. They're not divided out into days. It's just a set of questions. And so I want you to be intentional about deciding how you're, gonna, how you're gonna attack that. Ask God to show you the best way to do it. Should you do a, a three or four questions a day? Should you try to break it up into three days? Should you sit down and do it all one day? All of those are valid um, options, but I just want you to be intentional about thinking how you're going to attack that homework. Now, I know that it's hard to do homework, and believe me, I know many of you have little kids in this room, and you're just thinking, there's no way I can get through all of that homework. I just want you to give it your best. I want you to know that if you do that homework, you will be blessed. It will help you. God will speak to you through the word as you write down your answers. He will teach you something that's very relevant to your life. So I just want you to give it a try. Do your best. If you don't get it done, don't worry. Come back. Don't don't let that stop you from coming. But at the very least, I want you to read the text. So in the homework, it'll say like, you know, read Micah 2, 1 through 3. And then it'll ask you a question. At the very least, go through every question and read the text before you come. That will help you immensely. Then at the end of every homework section, there's another chapter like you're going to read this week. And it's called a teaching chapter. For Jonah, it's on page 43 if you want to flip there. So this is like a, uh, a teaching lecture. If, if we were to watch the video series that accompanies this book by Nancy Guthrie, this is her transcribed teaching lecture given to you in a chapter form. And so I want you to try to read it if you can. We're, when we are up here teaching you from the stage, we're gonna be teaching totally different um, things than what you read in the chapter. So this gives you an opportunity to, to hear from lots of different perspectives. Uh, what you might learn from that particular prophet. Um, there are a few questions in the discussion guide that, that reference the chapter, so you might want to just highlight some things that stand out to you as you read the teaching chapter. At the end of every teaching chapter, there's a little gray box, and it's called Looking Forward. It's on page 57 for Jonah. And it's just a way that, that Nancy Guthrie tries to show you how that particular book of prophecy points us to Jesus' second coming. And then finally, you'll see a set of discussion questions for the week on page 59. Turn there for the book of Jonah. Now, this is what is different for a lot of you than other studies that you may have done or that even we've done. These discussion questions are different than the homework questions. They're not the exact same. And so when we gather to discuss, we're going to be using this discussion guide. It's referencing the things that you learned in the homework. And so your leaders might ask you to turn back and look at a homework question. But it's, it's meant to be more open-ended to guide our discussion to have richer, deeper discussion. And so that discussion is going to go better if you've done the homework ahead of time. But I don't want you to feel like you have to write out all the answers to these discussion questions. Just read them before you come, or maybe even read them before you start the homework as a way to kind of guide your thoughts. But don't feel that pressure to write all of those answers out. If you're going to write anything, write in the homework section. Does that make sense to everybody? Don't leave here today without asking your discussion leader if that does not make sense how we're going to be using this book in the weeks to come. All right. As we close today, I want to remind you again of my dad. I am so glad that my dad didn't let me do whatever I wanted to do when I was growing up. If that was the case, I might still be lying and biting you whenever I got angry, so you can thank my dad. He corrected me with kindness and love and taught me to love Jesus. I always felt safe with my dad, and I still do. The truth is, friends, that God's word is sometimes harsh, especially the words that he spoke through the prophets that we will study this semester. But like my dad, I want you to know that God is always safe. He's a good father. He longs to join us in the rhythms of our day. He longs to tuck us into bed every night and stay awake while we sleep so that we can truly rest. He longs to wake up with us in the morning to guide us through our day. And from the safety of his love, God always longs to make us holy. He'll challenge us like he challenged Israel and Judah to stop sinning, to turn to him, not because he's mean, but because it's a really good way to live. And as he reminded them to look forward to the Messiah, he'll remind us to cling tightly to the one who has saved us and is transforming us little by little into the image of Jesus We are safe with him. So I want us to close by just reading together again the words from our memory verse, and then I'll pray for us. So let's read these words. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the peace that you offer us, for the safety that we have in you. We're so thankful for your words, that convict us that challenge us that just don't let us stay put in our sin. God would you would you use these words of the prophets this semester to convict us personally and collectively as your church here at Temple Bible Church and we look forward God to the ways that you will do that gently and mercifully and thank you so much for the for the grace that you've poured out on us in Jesus would you help us to see Jesus in these books as we study them this semester we love you and thank you pray all these things in Jesus name amen all right